Hey guys, welcome back to the Mad Girls Club. I hope you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving. We are back here with another episode and we are here with a professional, Norma. I'm super excited to have you here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Honored to be here. Thank you for coming on here. I, you know, we do a lot of dilemma segments where we answer people's questions that they have, like advice with life and things like that. And I always tell them like, we're not professionals, you know, take our advice with a great assault but um, I'm so glad to have you here to finally have your like professional advice on here and so if you want to tell them a little bit about yourself I'm Norma Garcia and I'm a licensed (laughs) clinical social worker and I'm also a registered play therapist okay and I founded Centro de Consejería Familiar it used to just be Norma Garcia LCSW and that was (laughs) it right but I saw the need and I had a huge waiting list and I was like I can't do this by myself you know so I decided to start with um what started originally with Maria, who used to be my assistant, isn't okay. anymore, but she decided to go back to school to get her master's in social work. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, then, you know, doing her internship, we kind of got involved with UTA and getting and training oh, okay. social work interns. That's awesome. So, I go to UTA. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I got my bachelor's and master's there. Oh, so wow. Both. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah, so that's kind of like how I was like, you know what, let me turn this into a a group, something bigger, and that's just Norma, right? Because I, I was really scared to do that, but I did it um, mainly, again, to reach the Latino community. I named it purposefully in Spanish because mm-hmm. one of the things that I found was that Latinos, first of all, are not aware of resources mm-hmm. that are available or mental health resources, mm-hmm. and they think that it's something they can't afford or they can't pay for or it's not covered by their insurance, mm-hmm. and so... Um, yeah, that was kind of like what I started doing and decided to just grow and expand. And I started with the social media, which is kind of how I ran into you too, right? That's awesome, And, yeah. you know, because I was like, okay, it's just us. You know, we, can, we can't make a difference in just one session. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do we get people create more awareness about mental health? How do we create, you know, remove and, uh, those stigmas and the barriers that people are experiencing to, to access mental health? And so I decided to invest in social media Well, I'm glad you did. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. everybody definitely needs to know about you and what you do, and especially the Latino community, you know. Um, And then you said you do play therapy. Can you explain, like, what that is exactly? Yeah, yeah. So I think I didn't even say that I do counseling, right? As a clinical (laughs) social worker, I do. We do individual and family counseling. and. We do couples too, but couples are a little hard. I'm just being honest. (laughs) It can be a little difficult with two adults together. But yes, I am a registered play therapist and play therapy um, is it's children. I say ages three to 99, right? It could be done with adults too, but it's, children don't talk the way you and I are here talking. They mm-hmm. talk very differently. And so they talk with the toys and the way they express themselves. Gotcha. And when I first learned about play therapy, my first job when they were trying to train me, I remember thinking like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I'm just playing Candyland <laughs> with the kid for 45 right. minutes. This isn't helpful. you know. But, but that was what I believed in that moment only because mm-hmm. I didn't get trained in play therapy until I started my career. Um, but then I started seeing like the change and mm-hmm. in just in sessions and seeing children change the way that they play and the things that they chose to play with and how maybe the parents, for example, didn't tell me something. Mm-hmm. And then I saw something in the playroom that made me a little suspicious, for example. And then I would kind of say, hey, well, I've noticed there's some aggression or there's some isolation or et cetera. And then the parents were like, well, yeah forgot to tell you I forgot to mention that we are going through x y or z that's so crazy that you can notice that out of just playing like just so mind-blowing I I would have never 
thought about looking at a kid that way, I guess mm-hmm. you can say. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not saying that the very first time they come in, we see it, even though we normally can, because we're trained to notice that behavior. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. kids, when they're given that safe space, mm-hmm. like they are able to express themselves and they know that we're not there para regañarlos, you yeah, know, to yeah, get yeah. onto yeah. them. We, you know, we give them that safe space to express themselves mm-hmm. the way that they want. And and then that you see things in the way that they play, you know. That's interesting. And then what does, like, a session generally look like, um, like for adults, for example? Um, well, the very first time, um, it's just like this, like you and me, the way we're sitting here, you know. Mm-hmm. We're normally just chatting. It's very open. It's not, like, what do you want to talk about today? One of the things that I tell people is, like, counseling, it's your space for you to do with whatever you want. You know, I even say that with teenagers, you know, I'm like, if you want to come in and talk about how much you hate your mom screaming at you or sends you to do chores, we can talk about that. Or if you want to come in and just talk about your friends and with how much fun you have with them, we can do that, too. And it's the same with adults. Like adults, sometimes um, they come in specifically or different from kids, right, because they choose to come on their own. But sometimes they're struggling with something and they're feeling embarrassed to even talk about it. But a session is just like this, really calm. I'm not here to judge you. You have a safe space to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to listen and I'm going to help you sort through the things that that you're experiencing in those moments. So is your niche like mainly kids or is it adults too? Um, I would say both. Both? Right? Oh, I would say okay, both. Okay. I need a mixture of both, right? Like, okay. <laughs> so I love playing games. And so playing with kids and doing and playing, that's my that's my life. I love that. Uh-huh. But I also need adults too, you know? So I, I yeah, think, yeah, you know, yeah. originally, you know, my niche, I would say, is both. There were some people might say, well, like, you shouldn't do that. You should focus on oh, one. But, okay. but working with kids and working with parents, because I think what sometimes kids are experiencing is a result of, of what parents, parents mm-hmm. are dealing with, mm-hmm. you know? So, sense, yeah. so if like adults are you know, struggling with issues, if, if they're good, then their kids are going to be good because they're yeah. going to teach them to be resilient. So definitely with both, I think I would say. For someone who is like doing treatment, how do they know that it's actually working? Well, that is a little difficult question, right? But it's about our perception, right? So perception is kind of like how we view things. For example, you're wearing a blue shirt today. Mm -hmm. But what if I perceive that to be green? What if I grew up learning that that color of the shirt that you're wearing is green? Then I perceive that to be green and you perceive it to be blue. And so we perceive things very differently. Um, And it's also based on our cognitions. That's our thoughts and Mm -hmm. how we grew up and what we're raised to believe. And so when we think about whether someone thinks it's working, it's like, well, what do you believe is improvement, right? right. One of the things about therapy that I, that I firmly believe is like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, may, I may suggest things that I'm going to say, well, is that really helpful? But I'm not going to say, hey, go tonight and go to bed at 8 p.m., for example, <laughs> right? Or stop talking to that friend who's toxic. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be like, well, what do you think you should do, right? Mm-hmm. And but, but helping as I do that, I'm helping you sort through because I'm going to point out things. Well, it sounds like that's important and that's that. So sometimes the improvement is having a safe space to just talk to someone. Right, right? right. And then noticing like, hey, well, I noticed that I am sleeping better or I noticed that I'm not scared about what people are going to say anymore mm-hmm. or just like I a mentality change. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you change because you're learning new things right. because I'm personally my, you know, one of my um, strategies is like psychoeducation. I got to teach you about your brain. Mm-hmm. I got to teach you about those wires and what they're doing and those negative cognitions that you have to help you overcome those um, things that are that fear or that anxiety or those things that stopping you from doing what you want to do yeah and then when it comes to therapy a lot of times people um I feel like majority of the time I feel like millennials the younger generation I feel like they're okay with therapy I see a lot of 
you know, people who are in like, they're maybe mid, um, early 30s, 20s, you know, they're, they're okay with going to therapy. They're like, this is cool. Like, I want to do it. It's the older generation that I feel like has a little trouble with knowing that they need to go, you know, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel maybe that bad stigma, you know, about like, um, what do they call therapists? They call it um, shrinks, right? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't need to go to a shrink. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. For sure. And that is that is the barrier, right? Mm -hmm. That is what people believe. Like when I hear that, I think about, well, where does that come from? Why do people think that? And it comes from, well, if I believe that a shrink, going to a shrink is bad, you know, then I, when we think about shrink too, I guess I think about it because I'm, you know, a social worker, <laughs> but I think about that. To me, that's a psychiatrist, which is not what I do gotcha, too, right? Okay. A psychiatrist is, is, but they consider it the same way. It's interchangeable, mm -hmm. especially in the Latino community. When they say psicologo and then consejero mm -hmm. or psiquiatra, like it's very different. Mm -hmm. But um, when when I hear that, I'm just like, where does that come from? And a lot of things that, that I'm just figuring out or I've learned throughout my career is it's also our culture, our Latino culture, too. Like mm -hmm. you said, the older generation, it's like they've always solved problems on their own, right? Mm -hmm. Or que dicen, ponte or limpiar. put it under the rug. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, ponte limpiar is going to be fine. Or yeah. that's just life and you move on, mm -hmm. you know. And so they've learned to cope. And it's worked for them, some of them. But as a result, you know, life isn't always as healthy as it could be, right? And no judgment on them. But they're doing the best that they can with what they knew and what they were raised to believe and think about, you know. Mm -hmm. And but so when someone says that, I definitely am interested in just exploring, like, where does that come from, that belief? And why do you believe that? And why is going to talk to someone bad, right? But sometimes it's religion, mm -hmm. right? Like, son demonios. like it's because you don't believe in God. You don't have enough faith. Or sometimes it's you don't talk about our stuff to other people. Like, mm -hmm. ¿qué va a decir la gente, right? I'm worried yeah. about what people are going to say mm -hmm. if I say that. Or, you know, or it's also so I, can, I can't afford that, you know? So I'm embarrassed to say that I can't afford it or I think I can't afford it. So therefore, I choose to not, you know, I'll just say it's, you know, I don't need it. I don't need yeah, it. Yeah. Or I'll just say it's for crazy people, you know? So well, talking about affording um, for people that can't afford it, like what can they do to be able to have these sessions when they can't afford it? Yeah. Well, there's also so many resources out there. And that's what people are unaware of, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, at, with us, um, we are credentialed with Medicaid, with oh, Medicare, wow. you know, and they don't require authorizations to start seeking therapy. Like, for example, a lot of people think, well, if I, like, if I want to go to my dermatologist, right, I got to go mm -hmm. to my regular doctor and they send me referrals yeah, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. Like, you can self-refer for counseling with Medicaid oh, and Medicare. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So, like, they cover, so I'm, like, credentialed with Medicaid, Medicare, like, the major insurances, Blue Cross Blue Shields, and almost all of them offer mental health benefits. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, so... So there are some counselors that are credentialed, right, mm -hmm. with, with them. And then there are some that are more cash pay. And so there's sometimes as social workers or as companies, one of our ethical uh, principles is also to make it fair. And so we offer sliding scales, like some at lower cost, mm -hmm. and then compared to full price based on your income. So there's also places like that or, or places that have grant funding, right? I haven't gotten there yet, but hope to <laughs> one day where we have grant funding where they, you know, will cover the cost of counseling. You know, there's, oh, okay. they offer grants or maybe they got money donated from somewhere. And so they have money to use towards um, the, the cost of counseling. Let's say that, for example, say, let's say my, I want to go to therapy, but my mom is like, no, uh, it's a waste of time. But I want her to like, you know, I feel like uh, there's a lot of those situations where the parent that the kid wants to go, but the parents like, no, how how can you go about that? How can a person go about, you know, having their parent come to you? Mm -hmm. um, well, 
for adults, like they have to want to come themselves, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's kind of like we're a kid, we can maybe force them to go to therapy mm-hmm. and then the therapist does their job to build the rapport and build that trust. Mm-hmm. But with an adult, it's kind of hard. It's kind of just, again, talking about it, like talking about, well, what is counseling mom? You know, or what do you think it is? Or I think it's important. I want to talk to someone. But remember, like, where is, why doesn't, why don't they want to go? Why doesn't she, why wouldn't she want to be involved? Is it because she doesn't want people to know um, por ejemplo, se va a dar cuenta la gente de nuestros problemas. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want nobody to know. Or they're just going to go and chismear and tell somebody else about what you mm-hmm. said, you know. Or, ¿qué vas a ver ella? She's, her life is probably worse than mine, you know. And she's going to try to help me. You know, those are the, the beliefs that people or the cognitions that people have and which is why they choose to not mm-hmm. seek counseling. Is so, there anything like a, a child can say to their parents to maybe mm-hmm. persuade them to go? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you say, I, I believe in counseling and I'd like to go and talk to someone. Can we find out about, you know, what it is or what it looks like? Or again, looking at, at videos, you know, or trying to explain or talk to someone, you know, or even listening to this podcast, mom, you know, they're going to talk about this. Or look, there is someone that talks in Spanish. I know mm-hmm. we've run into that a lot. Like I have teenagers email me sometimes and, and they'll be like, but my mom doesn't speak English. You speak Spanish, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, how do I get, you know, so it's kind of like just opening that conversation. And there are other resources, like maybe at the school, you know, there's consent in school. Now a counselor in school that maybe doesn't, well, different districts are different, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they don't, but you know, they may not offer, you know, a 45 minute session the way we do in a private setting, mm-hmm. but there are other, you know, avenues to try to seek help and therapy and talk to someone but again I think just education right, you know right and then I a, a few moments ago you were talking about um you know there's like therapy uh, there's counselors and there's different types of you know like I guess for us we all think it's one s- simple th- one thing mm-hmm. you know if you're a therapist and you're a therapist but can you explain the difference between each like different category I don't even (laughs) know them (laughs) yeah no for sure well I'll give you my explanation and not everyone will agree or maybe there I may miss something but I'm going to give you the the best way I kind of explain it to clients it's like well I'm a clinical social worker when people hear social workers they think oh CPS Mm -hmm, you know it's CPS mm -hmm. but I've never in my life worked for CPS you know I've chosen to I took a career path that led me uh to be a counselor, a clinical social worker, right, where I provide mm-hmm. therapy. Um, I could work for CPS too, right? So it's just the path that I chose. There's also LPCs, licensed professional counselors, and there's LMFTs, licensed marriage family therapists, you know. Gotcha. So there's all different types of licensure. It just depends what that counselor, what degree or they decided to, where they decided to get their master's and what degree they decided to pursue. Um, but so then uh, we provide clinical like counseling, which is more psychotherapy talking. And then there's psychologists who also provide psychotherapy. But what I when I refer someone to a psychologist, I refer them for psychological testing. Right. Gotcha. So when when I think about a psychologist, I think I refer them because in therapy, maybe I can't I maybe feel like I'm missing something or I'm suspicious of something. It's and more I'm like, deeper than. Yes. Yeah, okay. that what they do is you might go and answer 500 questions. 10, 10 forms, 20 forms, they interview you, they interview, if it's a kid, their teachers, they interview the parents, other family members, and then you talk to them for, it's an appointment that may be two, four, six hours, and then they give you a report that's 20 pages long, and, the, and there is your diagnosis and the results of your testing, you know, so that's when okay. I think of a psychologist, that's what they do, and then there's a psychiatrist, and a uh-huh. psychiatrist is a doctor who gives you medication, right, and unfortunately, um, 
I, I don't know them personally, and I don't want to talk bad about anybody. It's like, for sure a bit of, like, I know my clients, when I hear from them, there's like, pues no más me senté y me dio medicina. You know, like, I talked to them for five minutes, and they gave me medicine. What's that? But that's why psychiatrists rely on counselors, you know, gotcha. to help do that supportive work. Uh, you know, so you do go to your psychiatrist because they give medication. So it's like levels to this. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, yeah. Okay. So it's not just, you know, one, you know one-stop shop, right? So, well, um, there are some agencies that do offer all three, possibly, within them. I don't do that, right? But there okay, are. Okay. But that uh, those are the differences between them. Hey, guys, your bestie, Millie, here. Trying to make a podcast is so hard, and I need your help to make the Mad Girls Club podcast enjoyable and exciting to listen to for listeners just like you. By helping us take this quick two-and-a-half-minute survey, you can get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for taking the survey at the end of Season 2. You can take the survey at www.themadgirlsclub.com or at www.bit.ly forward slash survey. The links will also be in the description section of this episode that will take you straight to it as well. Okay, now let's get to the questions that everybody submitted. I'm actually surprised. I got a lot. So I'm sorry we can't get through everything, but we are going to try to get through everything. Um, But of course, if we can't, then you guys can reach out to Norma personally. But let's go ahead and let me tell you the first question. So the first one is, what advice would you tell someone who feels stuck like they will never overcome their depression or anxiety? I think we, I think well, sometimes we all feel stuck, right? So I can only imagine the person who sent that and what they may be feeling or going through. But I think that when we believe that, it's because we don't have any other resources. So the way I like to imagine it is like, I like to imagine like our brain is almost like a, um, can't even think of the word like uh where we plant stuff a garden there we go I can't even think of the word garden (laughs) but it's like a garden and what are you planting in your brain and so when I think about that coming to counseling we're planting things we're planting education we're planting affirmations we're planting knowledge about your brain and about your nervous system Mm -hmm. that helps you regulate it but when we're struggling with depression anxiety we can't see any of that and we're probably not planting good things in our brain right because I don't know about you but I know moments of sadness I listen to sad songs and I start crying right Mm -hmm. Yep. And so so when I hear that, I'm like, she feels stuck because maybe there's there's no one that understands her. There's no one giving her empathy. And you are not, and what are you planting in your brain? You know, I'm like, what are, what kind of seeds are you planting? Are you planting seeds of positivity, of learning about your nervous system, of learning about yourself, reading books, self-help books, or listening to them, you know, things like that. It's like finding those coping skills that work for you. Now, I do want to say that, because sometimes depression can be very severe, mm-hmm. and even in counseling, it's not enough by itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of personally too, like when moments of of difficulty when I went to the doctor and I started taking antidepressants too. You know, and for you know it was temporary. Taking antidepressants doesn't mean you're going to take them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It just means you might need them in this difficult moment in your life, and then lo, lo superas. You mm-hmm. know, and then you can move on and you know overcome that right with the help of a counselor too who's teaching you coping skills and teaching you ways to manage that so definitely I know like I can only imagine that's hard it's a hard question to answer just like that but definitely finding a support system who's supporting her someone who helps because when we think about our especially if she's Latina I don't know but either way even if they're not almost always our family's like ah no tienes nada, no tienes nada, yeah. you know, or ponte a limpiar is the yeah. most famous one, right? Mm-hmm. Just start cleaning and you're going to be fine. Like, no, mom, it doesn't work that way. Or yeah. oh, I remember hearing like people just say or say things like, 
well, I grew up with no shoes in the, you know, in Mexico, oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. dirt, and mm-hmm. I'm just fine. I don't know what you're depressed about. You have everything. Yep. And, and I could even be guilty of sometimes saying it to my kids as well. You know, like, what are you sad about? Like, you have everything. I, you know, I did this. I went through this, and you didn't go through any of that, you know? So, like, unfortunately, like, but, if, but for example, people who say that to us are struggling with their own things, you know, or have their own cognition. Like, for example, I know I said, like, if my daughter tells me something and I'm just like, really like you don't even know what struggle is right <laughs> like I I want to compare my situation and but that's also because in that moment I start feeling that I'm not a good mom or that I'm not doing enough but I don't verbalize that to her instead I say really like you have it so good like you don't yeah, even know yeah, right yeah. but that's so I say that because that's where when we struggle with giving someone who's feels stuck empathy mm-hmm. It's hard for us to give them empathy sometimes when we're dealing with our own issues sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the next question is, I'm having trouble setting boundaries with my mom and sister. They always think I'm being rude when I say no to them. I get a lot of these dilemmas, too, about not setting boundaries. What would you say to that? Well, why are boundaries a problem? Why do you think they're a problem? I feel like I just don't know how to say no. Yeah. Or like if I do say no, they don't take me serious or something like that. But it's also counterculture, right? It's, it's against the Latino culture. Like how are you going to set a boundary when Latinos don't do that? Because Latinos are intermeshed, right? Like I think about if I tell my mom I'm not going to go for Thanksgiving. ¿Cómo que no vas a venir? Like what? <laughs> like it's like the rudest thing ever. Or if I said, no, mom, I'm not, I don't want to go. It's like you're being rude and disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I'm just saying I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay for me not to want to and that is something that we're moving towards now right setting boundaries but Latinos don't know anything about boundaries Mm -hmm. right and so so when she you know I and whether she is or not a lot of just older generation or older people we don't understand you know boundaries and it's hard and setting boundaries is counter your family counter you know unity it's like against all of that so So is a moment like this when a parent and the child should go to therapy or is this a moment where you tell the child how they should speak to their parents to overcome that Mm -hmm. Well, it depends how old the child would be, right? I don't okay. know if that person said how old they were, L- but um, let's say they're like in their mid twenties or yeah. something, because that's usually like the age range around here, like early twenties to mid thirties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then I would say, like again, setting a boundary. Well, let me backtrack. Oh, I always say this: you can never, you can't control anyone but yourself, mm-hmm. right? You can't control if you're my mom and you're mad that I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving. I can't control that. Mm-hmm. I can't control how you feel. I can only control me, what I say, what I do, and how I respond. And so, what I would tell a young adult who's struggling setting boundaries with their family, I would say, "Well, these are the things that we can say, Mom. I love you, but I'm not gonna." do x y and z that you want me to or i'm not okay with that and that's okay and i said they might get mad they may scream at you they may say that but you can still hold your ground you know you can still stay firm in your decision and you don't have to feel forced to say yes now are they going to talk about you and say that you're disrespectful (laughs) absolutely but that's not something you can control you can't control what people say so it's learning to accept the fact that you know what i can't control what people say and like life when you live life you will live life so much more freer knowing like that you can't control other people. It's just easier to live life that way. Cause a lot of the times when we have anxiety and depression, it's wanting to control. I want to control this. I don't want them to do this. I don't want this person to say this about me. I don't want, you know, this, or I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want them to, to feel bad. And it's like, well, why do their feelings matter and yours don't? Right? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so sometimes setting boundaries, we feel guilty. Cause we're like, Oh, it's cause I'm in la voy a hacer sentir mal. 
she's going to feel bad, but that's okay. If they feel bad, you can't control that. That's about them. It has nothing to do with you. So we have to learn to accept that. And accepting is a hard part. So coming to therapy would be learning <laughs> to accept that and learning to be okay with people not being happy with the choices that you make. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then the next question is, I felt so lost the last couple of years. I'm in my late 20s, have been a stay-at-home mom for a year, and I actually left work because of my anxiety that got pretty bad. Emotionally, I feel like I'm ready to get back out, and I want to go to school for a career, as I felt all my jobs were unfulfilling. But I keep running into walls. It's like I don't know myself, what I am meant to do, or what I even want to do. How can I go about figuring out? myself out that's a tough one it's a lot to unpack there right so it sounds like I'm hearing that she may be struggling with anxiety and um and yeah some anxiety and that even caused her to leave work Mm -hmm. right and so it sounds like that was the main reason not necessarily because she was going to be a stay-at-home mom and so I would be curious to explore that like where so why had why did your anxiety like take over and maybe it was because she felt unfulfilled at her job it wasn't something she was enjoying Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes is, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I yep. <laughs> love I have, that yeah, one. I have that mm-hmm. in my office because it's true. Like, I never feel like I, but because I'm doing what I want to do, right? Now, if I told you my story about school, you know, I changed my major, I don't know how many times, right? Until <laughs> I finally said, I just want to help people, like, and I figured it out. But I think that, like, what I, my advice to someone who doesn't know what to do is, like, try things, volunteer, like, or take a personality test. One mm-hmm. of the tests that I run into. <laughs> Those are so fun. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. At 16personalities.com has one, and okay. I think it's pretty accurate. Oh, I is like that, that the NF, like, letter one? I think so, yes. Mm-hmm, yeah, that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and so, and sometimes when you, that can be a starting guide to kind of maybe learn, because it gives you career paths, mm-hmm. and, what, and when I know when I did mine, it said social worker on that there. That is right? so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's just, like, figuring out, like, well, maybe starting at that point, right? Figure, But also, like, what do you enjoy doing? Maybe writing things down. We always, I always like to imagine we have, like, an alphabet soup in our mind when we're anxious and we're thinking, like, what do I do? Oh, my God. Like I'm, you start saying negative things to yourself, but you're going to have to put that down on paper, write things down. Like, what do I like to do? Or, you know what, let me go and, um, you know, volunteer at animal shelter. Maybe I want to do something with animals or let me go volunteer at a domestic violence shelter or at, um, at a kid's club and let me go help. And maybe that'll feel good. Right. Or maybe let me start making coffees at home. You know, that's how Mm -hmm. women become entrepreneurs. It's like, but do something that you enjoy doing, but you will never figure out unless you go and try, you know, but anxiety and fear stops us from trying. Right. And so, so it's like, like, like a double, you know, thing that you have to overcome a double wall. And so I would encourage her again, just explore and then figure out, write things down figure out where all that anxiety is coming from and practice new things don't care about what people say just you know practice new things and if you'll figure out if you like them or not or if it feels good or not as you're doing them super random it it came just came to my head right now because we were talking about the personality test Mm -hmm. how do you feel about horoscopes and zodiacs like how do you feel about those because I feel like a lot of people use that to identify themselves like oh I'm this that means that I'm I'm I get angry a lot or I'm stubborn and this and that like how how do you feel about that I want to know like what a you know professional thinks about that well what I think about it is that (laughs) we all want to know right I always say the unknown gives us anxiety the unknown is like I don't know but so when I hear about a horoscope and I'm not (laughs) judging it or anything because I look mine up too I'm a Leo girl. But anyways, but I mean, like, 
what it is, we all want to know, we all want an explanation. Why do I behave a certain way? Why do I do certain things? Where does that come from? And so a horoscope is a way for us, like an answer for that. So that's kind of like where that comes from. But just like a, you know, the DSM for counselors exists, that's a diagnostic statistic manual that we use with all of the diagnoses. Like, you know, just like that exists for counselors and clinicians and psychotherapists, everybody, you know, psychiatrists, there's the horoscope and then there's las cartas or there's other things yeah, because we yeah. all want an explanation and it all comes from just of a place of wanting to know. That makes so much yeah. sense. So I don't think it's bad or good or anything. I mean, I don't judge it. Like uh-huh. we to each their own and whatever gives us peace is what's is what's the most important. Right, right. Okay. And then the next question is, I have a seven-year-old son who lately I feel is rebellious. A lot of talking back. He always wants to have the last word and rude remarks, and some days I feel like I don't know how to handle it. Any advice? Mm-hmm. A lot of advice <laughs> on my page, on the social media page. I have a five-year-old, and sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, like, it's so hard, right? But when I hear, okay, any, I would tell any parent this. When a child is acting up, they're trying to sh- communicate something. Mm-hmm. Think about you. Like, when you're frustrated and angry and you scream or, like, you're not saying, I'm mad because you cut me off on the road. Like, no, you're just like, ah, you, you know, you might say bad words or whatever. Like, or we might hit a table or hit our knee, you know, or try to punch a wall. I don't know. Maybe that's extreme, right? But Or we <laughs> scream at someone. Mm-hmm. But we never express what we're really feeling. So when I, when I hear a seven-year-old is, is screaming or saying negative things to the parent or scream, talking back, they're feeling something, right? But as parents, we're like, deja de gritar. Stop screaming. Mm-hmm. Stop talking back. Stop doing this. You know, like, we don't ever say, I see how mad you are, you know? And we never stop do that. Why? Because we weren't taught that way. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we think, like, they're children. They don't, they don't know, yeah. you know? And they don't know. And they yeah. don't know how to manage that feeling. And so they're just trying to express themselves. And the only way they know how is by throwing a fit or by, you know by throwing something, hitting something, by saying I hate you. You know, I can think of times when I took my iPad away from my from my five-year-old, you know, and he's like, I hate you. <laughs> you know, and my mom was like, ¿Lo vas a dejar que te hable así? Like, how are you going to let him? You better say him straight. Like, I needed to spank him. And I just said, I know that you're sad. I know you want the iPad, but iPad time is up. You know, now do I always do that? No, I always uh, say honest <laughs> with my clients too. I'm like, I know we want to cuss about too, <laughs> or say something. Or, I hate you too, no, yeah. but but I try to because I try to empathize. Like I guess my heart just goes for kids because I they know they they don't know how to express themselves and they're trying to figure that out. And if we don't teach them, how are they gonna know? Right. You know? And so it's like some kids choose. Maybe you're like, oh, I have such a good kid, like because they don't talk at all and they just they listen and they follow rules. But what you don't know is that they're doing that because they're so anxious and they just want to be accepted and loved, and so therefore they don't express anything. You know. So I was gonna bring that up too. Like, what know. about the kids that don't really, mm-hmm. you know, like the parent will be like, you know, what's wrong, and then they just, mm, yeah. Like, and then, like, you you try to get things out of them, but they don't say anything. How do you go about that? A kid that doesn't really want to talk. Well, and this would go for both situations, not talking or screaming. We would say something like, I see that you're angry or I see that you're sad or it looks like you're sad. It's kind of being curious, right? One of the things that I teach my clients to and parents, like, be curious. Like, kids are really, like, smart. They'll tell you, and I'm not mad. I'm frustrated or, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just annoyed right now or I'm not sad. I just want to be alone and want some alone time. Like, you know, or they 
they're really honest and they'll tell you. But we as parents have to say things like, well, or it looks like you're angry right now. Or it looks like, I always have a joke because I've done that. So with my, I have, well, I have three kids, but my oldest kids, like well, my older one, my 20 year old, he would always say, it looks like you're hungry because he was so used <laughs> to me always saying, it looks like you're, you're feeling sad or it looks like you're, but we say that not just with negative feelings, but with positive ones too. I see how proud you are. It looks like you're really proud of your good grade or you're so excited about the school field trip, you know, mm-hmm. and like being able to, or are you see how worried you are about your test tomorrow? You know, like just say that instead of saying, are you worried? You know, or, or just stop being worried. You're going to be fine. You're going to do good, you know, or just pray to God. Everything's going to be fine, you know, or, you know, just, you got to believe in yourself. You've been doing this. And it's just like, well, if we just kind of were curious, mm-hmm. we open that door for communication. And this also applies to our friends or adults. You know, we can do that. Like, Hey, it looks like you're this. And sometimes we think people are fine and they're yeah, not yeah yeah it's it's the ones that look fine that aren't yes That's, I remember I got that <laughs> quote from somewhere yeah but you were saying that on your Instagram you post a lot of like parents like parent mm-hmm. stuff on there parenting videos yeah of me and my and my oh, TJ okay, my five-year-old okay. oh. <laughs> where he's throwing a fit and like yeah so for sure but I and I did that that was a few years ago when he was younger I think I got him now verbalizing <laughs> stuff a little bit even though he still dysregulates emotionally but yeah I definitely I, I put videos on there and talk about tips and even though for example I put po- there was a post yesterday and one of my friends was like yeah me and my son um we you know we hashed it out I choked him and then we apologized to each other and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> so and then my other friend was like bud that doesn't work like like yeah, it doesn't yeah, work sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it. Sometimes people like see myself and they're like, that's loca. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, but that nobody really does that. And it's an art to have the patience to be able to do that. Like even oh, for me too, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But it's, it's really hard, but being able to just, again, if, if you don't know what to do because you are dysregulated too. And th- again, I always tell parents, we have a tool belt, right? And when in our tool belt, you have to have, you might have a hammer, screwdriver, but we need to add more tools to it. So Mm -hmm. as a parent, like you got to learn more tools to handle that behavior. One thing might not work. I know sometimes I might tell my son like, hey, I see how frustrated you are. And he's like, "Ah," he doesn't care. Right. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, I have to just be with him, you know, and which is contra lo normal like it's not normal like when my mom's like I'm not going anywhere with you because TJ's gonna be mad that you didn't buy him a toy and I'm gonna be embarrassed at the store you know so it's like figuring those things out yes yes okay now the next one is during COVID I experienced my first panic attack I've been on and off medication since then overall it has been very challenging to seek adequate help my doctor recommended therapy, but honestly, it's very intimidating for me. What are your recommendations? I would want to explore why is it intimidating, right? So why, again, that that goes back to cognitions. Like, what are they intimidated about? Like, mm-hmm. I think that our perception about what counseling is or seeking therapy is... Um, sometimes based on what we see on TV or what we heard someone else say. And we don't know, like I, for personally me, I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty chill and laid back. Like this is how I dress for work. I'm in <laughs> jeans and, you know, converse sometimes and a sweater, yeah. you know, or a t-shirt or something like, but not everyone's like that. Right. And everyone's different. I do that because I'm a play therapist too. And we're playing with sand and getting dirty and stuff like that. But, um, but what's intimidating about it? Is it the cost? Is it making the first call? Like, again, fear and anxiety stop us from doing something. Mm-hmm. But I would say just go and check it out. Try you know, it out. doesn't hurt. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't like that, because this is also something that I tell, like, if you don't like that person, it's okay. I always tell everybody in my first session when I'm going over consent forms, you know, I kind of, right before they tell me why they're here, I kind of say, we have to go over these forms, make sure you understand. I always say, you might, you know, 
just because you come here with me today doesn't mean you have to keep coming to me. Mm -hmm. If you don't like me, my hours, my location, whatever, it's okay. Like, I will help you find someone else if it's necessary. But the most important thing is that you feel comfortable and that you feel good with the person that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And if si no te caigo bien, it's okay. Like, we'll find someone else. You know, yeah, I'm never yeah. going to be offended. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I would hope everyone would hear with any counselor and they would know that, if I don't like this one, it's okay. I can go and try to find someone else. Or yeah. that's why we have bios and pictures. And mm -hmm. you can kind of see, you know, do I like that person? Is she cool or not? Or you Yeah, know? it's like a friendship. Absolutely. Basically. You're going to spill all <laughs> your business to this person, you yeah. know. And, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. For people who, you know, have to go to therapy. And then how does that first initial conversation go? Well, and I can think of people, people will say that, like, I don't even know what to say or after mm -hmm. I'm done reading my consensus, and I'm like, well, tell me, tell me, you know, what you're, what you're here for today, or how can I be helpful today? And then they'll be like, well, I don't know, where do you want me to start from the past <laughs> from now? And I was like, wherever you want to start, you know, oh, and, okay. and so that's kind of like what I say, wherever you want to start. And if someone is really struggling, like if they're being forced to come, like I have do have some young adults that are being forced to come by their parents or whatever. Oh, okay. And I'll be like, well, I, I said, I know it's really uncomfortable. Again, I try to build that trust and rapport first and be like, you know, I said, I know what it's like to have your parents do stuff you don't want to do. Like it sucks, but we're here. And so what do you want to do? And this is sometimes where play therapy comes in. Like mm. I will play Uno. It's just giving them that safe space. Like I get you're being forced. Yeah. Okay. To, to build that relationship. We call it rapport, right? Mm -hmm. Build that trust. And then Next time, though, they might open up a little bit more. Are there sessions where, like, it's complete silence and no one is talking? <laughs> um, no, for the most part, no. <laughs> no, they, they all, they'll have something to say almost yeah, always. Yeah. Or I'll ask questions. Or, again, I'll bring out a game. I have, like, regular games that you buy at Target. I made them therapeutic. Like, I'll add stickers. Okay, if you get a red sticker, you have to talk about something that you like or something that you don't like That's for us awesome. to get to know each other. Yeah. Or once I've been with therapy, we'll use that same game. And I'll be like, well, when you land on red, if you get red, you have to talk about a time you feel angry you know, or talk about what you do when you're angry. So I have different little scenarios. I've never scenarios. heard of play therapy, but I'm now that I'm hearing you talk about it, I actually really, really like it. Yeah. I like the whole approach that you guys take to actually get to the you know start of everything. Yeah, That's awesome. Okay, and then this is actually our last question here that people submitted. What advice can you give parents who want their kids therapy, who want to get their kids therapy as an outlet, but are scared that CPS will get involved if this child speaks on do domestic violence in the home with the parents or parents that have struggled with alcohol or drug abuse? And then in parentheses, they put kids aren't being abused but have witnessed. Well, let's talk about what abuse is, too, mm -hmm. right? When I hear that, like, I'm really worried for this family, you know, um, obviously concerned, right? And, and I get that, that. I'm glad that where this is anonymous because they're, yeah, they're yeah. asking for help. <laughs> um, but abuse is, comes in many different ways, mm -hmm. right? And many, when we think of abuse, they're like, I'm not hitting them or they're not. But witnessing abuse is abuse, right? Mm -hmm. It could be psychological, emotional, um, financial. The abuse comes in many different ways. And so I know she want, you know, they want to reiterate they're not being abused. But kids w are witnessing something that's mm -hmm. not okay and that can be. Maybe emotional or psychological abuse inducing fear. And so um, – I don't know. I've never worked for CPS, and I don't know. But I do. I when I've in my career, obviously, I've worked with them, and um, I think we'll, not to bash on any, but any career, any agency, or anything. But I think sometimes, in my opinion, on cases that I felt like CPS needed to move on quickly, they didn't. You know, mm -hmm. or when they needed to step in and do something, mm -hmm. they haven't, mm -hmm. and they done. And so I definitely understand her fear. But I think that see, I, I do know one of the goals of CPS is not to take families away or kids away or not to break them apart. It's to help them. Mm -hmm. 
and um, encourage them and give them resources and try to keep them together, mm-hmm. you know. And so I guess that's what they might be scared of is when you yeah. think of CPS, you you don't think they don't want to take the kid away. Yeah. People think they're going to take my kid away. Yeah. When mm-hmm. someone thinks CPS, they don't think anything positive about that, yeah. you know. So I can um, imagine like a parent wanting to go to therapy or take their kid to therapy, but are scared mm-hmm. of what could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a normal fear. Normalize it. There's nothing that I can do or say that will guarantee that, well, okay, I won't call CPS on you or I won't make a report. Because mm-hmm. that's something, it's not that I'm calling CPS on you. I'm just making a report of safety, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of like what it is. I'm concerned about the safety and we make a report. Um, but there's nothing that I could say or do to guarantee that won't happen. And so it is a tough situation. I would encourage this person, you know, to um, seek help for themselves first, you know, because they are in a in a domestic violence situation that's yeah. not healthy for them and mm-hmm. and um, nor the family. You know, I always think, um, well, I grew up in a home where there was domestic violence, too, and I think that's why I decided to be a counselor, but that's another story, mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> but the, the I just remember being a kid, you know, and feeling um, what I felt when I witnessed those things or yeah. being involved. Let me not tear up here, but <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that, and so I definitely empathize with her, but one of the, mo- you know, is for her to seek help and resources, and there are things out there for her, you know, to um, just to find out more, just to educate herself more about what's out there and that she doesn't have to continue to accept any kind of domestic violence. Talking about domestic violence, I recently, actually, I don't really like to answer a lot of um, topics like that just because I'm not a professional, so I don't feel like it's my place to answer that, but I did um, answer one domestic violence um, question on my previous episode, but I wanted to ask you, now that you're here, how, what would you say to someone who can't leave a relationship? I know we hear this a lot, you know, women stay in these relationships, what advice would you give to someone who is the friend of this person or they are the person and they just can't leave for whatever reason? Um, well, I'll start by saying that it's hard for us not to judge, right? Mm-hmm. When we're not in that situation, we're like, why doesn't she leave him? Mm-hmm. Like, it's because she likes it. Or, you know, like that's the kind of absurd things that I've heard that mm-hmm. people say. But honestly, like I have to go back to control. You can't control anybody else. You can only yeah. control yourself. If my friend chooses to stay with someone who hurts her, that's her choice. I will love her and support her and be there for her as long as I can. Yeah. You know, as you know, whether that be forever. If I feel like I'm being affected, you know, hearing this, I won't. But you know, setting those boundaries, knowing ourselves first is most important. But if someone's in the situation, you can't do anything. That person yeah. has to want to leave. Mm-hmm. And now, if you're there to give them resources and you know, that's, that's, that's all you can do is really is be there. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of even as a counselor, when we hear stories, I'm just like, why are you still there? You know, yeah, we, yeah. we think that, but mm-hmm. cada quien tiene su proceso. Everybody has their own path, you know, and that's, that's all we can do is just be there and love on them, empathize. I'm here for you. What do you need? And mm-hmm. well, it. I gave them that advice. So I'm good that yeah. I was on the right track. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> good. Um, and then, uh, so I wanted to ask you, what should someone look for in a therapist? So now that we've answered all these questions and you talked a little bit about yourself. So for someone who, you know, may want to go to you now and, um, or maybe they want to go somewhere else, like what should they look for in a therapist? Um, well, again, I go back to something that makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, are, what do what the kids say? I'm older than you guys. So I'm, like, so I'm like, you're vibing, <laughs> something you vibe with. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that we can always get that energy. Like, when you meet someone, I can think of when I walk in a room and I'm like, oh, it feels heavy in here. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's something, like, I, that doesn't feel genuine. And 
Um, and I'm sure as a, any human being can feel that. So I think it was like, as long as you feel like it's comfortable, you can read about them and see what they're trained in or what they do. And if you're interested in, in, you know, you could always sometimes ask for a phone consultation or the first session you go and ask, like, you know, I know I've had first sessions that were intimidating for me when people were like, well, tell me what kind of therapy you do. Like, what are you, and where were you trained? How many years experience do you have? You know, where I'm being drilled. I'm like, well, wait, who's this appointment for? Like, you know, and so, you know, so those are the, you know, so absolutely you can go in there and ask a million questions that's permitted there's nothing wrong with that you know and and if you you know do your own research and be you know be your most you know the you're the most important advocate for yourself be an advocate for yourself and ask questions and if you feel comfortable you'll feel that vibe and if you're just like yeah you know I don't like what she had to say then don't you know where is there is there like a platform that people can look for therapy or their counselors and things like that is there like should they, they just should they just Google or do you recommend them to call their insurance or how does that, like what's the best way to find a therapist? I'm glad you asked that. That is important. I think, well, if they have insurance, I would start with my insurance because if not, you're going to be calling people and you're going to be like, oh my God, they look so cool. And then they don't take your insurance, right? <laughs> so I would start with my insurance company and asking for, you know, a list of counselors in my area and maybe go from there and call and see, or, the, or once you get the list, you can Google them and search them. Mm -hmm. There's also a platform called Psychology Today okay. where, as you know, I know we're on that and just almost every counselor is on there you know and okay. and it's lists on there with their prices or if they accept insurance it gives sometimes they have quick little intro videos about themselves um and so yeah they definitely but I, if they have insurance i would start there yeah yeah um, okay and then my last question to you is what resources are there for people who can't afford therapy i know you said insurance if you want to talk a little bit again about what insurance you accept where can people find you at what's your social handle like give them all the business on you so if, you know and any of you guys are interested in seeing norma which i love your personality and you. you're just so like you know you're not how to say serious i guess yeah. when you think of a therapist you you think someone's serious just sitting there with a clipboard yeah. you know those are not your vibes yeah. at all so I love that yeah thank you yeah I like to be funny I'm just kidding. I love to laugh that's one of my biggest things and so I love I'm really genuine just like this is how it'll be in session two you know or whatever. I love it and once I and I you know I yeah but so the resources so again there are places that offer there's nonprofit agencies that offer um the, they cover the costs or you can you know community agencies that offer sessions for five ten you know fifteen dollars or there's things called sliding scale like based on your income they'll charge you a certain oh, percentage okay. um some agencies have that some don't it just depends um and then insurance insurance covers it sometimes with your copay sometimes with your deductible so then it can be pricey like if you have a large deductible mm -hmm. so it's always important you can call you also have we well us personally we accept eaps so if you work for an employer that offers an EAP, it's called Employee Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. Almost always, they almost every business has this because they have to have it. Mm -hmm. But they offer you three to six sessions with a counselor, and they pay for it for free for oh, the first wow, three to okay. six. And that's sometimes good. That's good, like to get started to see if you feel that person or not. You know, before you start spending money or investing your money in it. Mm -hmm. But. Um, and again, asking them for a list who's credentialed because I know I'm credentialed with some EAPs and some I'm not, or oh, okay. you know, or if I have a client switch a job, like then they'll say, "Hey, I'm with this EAP," and then I'll call that EAP and get credentialed with them, you know, oh, so okay. to kind of help that client out too. So there's just it's different ways, but you know, uh, nonprofits would be the the one of the ways to call and to figure out or find a way to pay for mm -hmm. those services. And again, yeah. Norma accepts Medicare and Medicaid, right? Yes, oh, yes. Okay. So Medicare, Medicaid, all the big ones, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, Aetna, United Healthcare, Value Options. That's amazing. And are you currently accepting new clients? 
Yes and no. <laughs> I I am. I do. Yeah, I do take some new clients. Okay. But sometimes there's. A, I do have a wait list right now. Like okay. I am really. But I. Well, we have. So I'm training. Right. I'm training okay. my interns, and so they're always available too. And they do therapy just like me. So obviously we vibe, and then we. Are. <laughs> but I mean, yes, I do have other counselors available that are you know. Or clinicians or counselors in training, right, mm-hmm. that are available, too, to see people. But, yeah, oh, okay, so I do okay. have a wait list. We have a HIPAA-protected wait list. I have to say that because someone brought that. <laughs> I was like, who asked that? But, okay, <laughs> I made sure that we were. But, you know, we have um, a list that, you know, has uh, everyone's information on there. And, mm-hmm. and Do you want to share your handle with everyone, your website, yeah. everything, so they can reach you? Yes, yes, yes. So it's Centro de Consejería Familiar. It's really long, but it's, I'll, I'll put it, it in the bio yes, for you guys. Yes. So it's just <laughs> Yeah, that's my website, centrodeconsoleriafamiliar.com, and handle for um, social media, Facebook and Instagram. It's the same thing, Centro de Conseria Familiar. And then TikTok, I think it's it was too many letters, so I think it's Centro oh. de Conseria Fam, <laughs> I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. But you also take non-Spanish um, speakers too, right? Yes. Not yes, just so. Latinos, everybody. Yes, yeah, okay. we do take everybody. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here today. Thank I you. really enjoyed our conversation. Thank Your personality you. is amazing. Thank so, you. Yes, of course. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you really benefited out of this episode and really heard what normal had to say if you guys want to reach out to her i'll have all her information in the description of this episode again if you are listening to us we are also on youtube so check us out at the mad girls club and thank you again norma thank you it was an honor to be here Appreciate thank you, you. yes of course bye Thanks.